I'm Hannah. I'm Sheena. And I'm Lori. And this is Cemetery Row. Woohoo! It's Christmas time! Yeah. Jingle bells! Kind of, sort of. Yeah. It snowed um, today on my way home from work, so that was Ooh, fun. very That's nice. nice and festive. It had better not come anywhere w- within 20 feet of me, <laughs> or 100 miles of me. Let's just oh, put my it that Lord. way out there. And I, I'm the, not a snow person. The la- me it. either. I hate the snow. Um, it's because I have an- outdoor animals, horses. Touche. It is a nightmare having to bring them in and clean. It's just, I hate it with a passion. And I did see... Um, Sheena, that there is, I think next week, a chance for some no. snow. Yes, spit. <laughs> no, um, it is that snow is potentially coming the day before my mother's birthday. I need it to not because I need to get down to see her with a pie. So I need that snow to snow off. I will come down there and drive okay. in the snow for you. It's Thank it's you. okay. I'm looking at it again now, and it looks like. No, like it looks Good. like there's a 3% chance of snow. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, You're I good. Never, You're going to be fine. It's also Memphis. You never know. We'll either get no snow whatsoever or three feet. Of well, course. Well, and then it hasn't been cold enough. So, even no, if really we hadn't. get snow, it's not, it's going to melt immediately because, yeah, it's not been below freezing in forever. Uh-uh. And I mean, we're going to have some single digit nights next week. So, that'll be, that'll be fun. My, my, that, my seasonal depression is angry bust out that murder goose uh sweater that i yes. have not gotten to wear I, yet i haven't either i mean i got it to wear, wear it last year but not this year um yeah by the time this episode comes out we are recording this early because we have some holiday celebrating to do yeah so by the time this episode comes out it will be just a day after christmas um unless derek is like no i'm too busy celebrating with my family to put out your episode the day after christmas i don't know i haven't talked to him about it we're um, at Derek's swim it, it'll <laughs> be at some point y'all yeah um but either way whatever happens and whatever day it comes out on and whatever you celebrate i hope you are holding up this time of year this time of year is never fun for anyone um it's stressful for no good reason um, we just make it that way, even though there's literally, it's not like the calendar is like, be stressed out, human. No, mm-hmm. we're putting this on ourselves. And it's a really difficult time of year, too, if you are grieving. Um, yep. it's, just, it's just not fun. Um, <laughs> plain and simple. So if you're grieving this year or if you're just having a hard time, guess what? You're not alone. We're right there with you. And we, yeah. we're sending you all the good vibes. Yeah, life is hard, and it's like there's really wonderful parts of the season, and then it's it can, but it can also, you know, really put into contrast all the things that are going wrong. Yeah. Um. So just however you feel is the right way to feel, yeah. and you know, don't let anyone tell you that. Um. I had a friend today. We were talking, and she just had to have like a crazy surgery to remove a carcinoma from her mm-hmm. face. And she was like, you know, people are telling her silver linings. And I was like, fuck silver linings. You get to feel shitty about things that are shitty. Like, you don't always have to see the bright side. You're allowed to feel bad about bad things. So, you know, don't get lost in it, of course. But give yourself that space to 
feel bad about things that are bad. Feel the feelings and know that you will go through it. Um, that's one of my kind of favorite quotes is from what's is it the end of ring golf or grown woman i think it's ring off where you hear mama tina on beyonce um her like i said i think it's ring off where she says the thing about going through it is you have to go through it like yep the only way out is through yeah it sucks but you know what we've all been through things and we've all come on the other side of it and we're all i don't know that we're better for it but we're here right I mean, that's what I tell my nephews because, like, they're grieving their dad, of course. Yeah. I'm grieving my brother. And, you know, they'll tell me and I'm like, you know, I know it's hard, but the only way out is through. So keep going. Yep. Just got to feel it and go on. I don't know. So let's see. We've done a weather report and now really big feelings. So yeah. You guys, it's only going to get weirder from here. So yeah, It no. is, actually. That's a great so segue. Buckle up. <laughs> That's a great segue. So our topic this week, we said we were going to do December grab bag. And oh boy, I- howdy did we. <laughs> <laughs> well, I told the girls, I was like, I want to do something Christmassy. And I was like, I found this Christmassy related story. And then I think y'all stories... Are a little Christmassy? Or, yeah, no, are they mine, in, in December or something? Mine take place around Christmas. Mine's okay. a Christmas one too. Okay. So I guess this is just a continuation of our um, Christmas mayhem episode from last year. <laughs> this is <laughs> basically is... going to be our Christmas tradition. It's yeah. just mayhem. Yeah. Because like I said, I, when I was picking store, and do I go first? Is that yes. what you said? Yes. Or Hannah? Yep. Okay. I couldn't remember. I, I was went just first say, uh, last week. Last time? Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> I was um, trying to find like some Christmas hijinks and I just kind of skimmed this story and thought, perfect hijinks. Sure. And then I was researching it. I'm like, I, I want to go jump in a lake like this. Is so depressing. <laughs> oh, so, no. <laughs> um, strap in because I have a lot of death and um, but it's it's kind of funny, but I don't know. Strap in. All right. Do your ready? best. All right. Picture it. December 23rd, 1927, Ooh. Cisco, Texas. Oh. Around noon, four men robbed the First National Bank. No, and we're just jumping right in. Yeah, we're jumping right in. And the following shootout left some of the robbers, local police, and civilians wounded or dead. Um, as the state's largest manhunt began, a bolo was issued for the man who orchestrated the robbery. He was described as wearing a red velvet suit trimmed (laughs) in white fur with a matching hat, a black belt, some black boots, and a long white beard. God damn it. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) the number one suspect in this deadly messy bank robbery with santa claus jesus look when you guys keep asking for playstations this is what he has to do i mean you're not wrong (laughs) but also yeah i just i read that santa claus robbed a bank and i'm like i'm telling that story (laughs) absolutely and then i was like oh god like everyone dies so spoiler alert everyone i'm about to mention dies okay at some point so let's go back and meet the robbers and um, who they are and how we got here. So um, the uh, first guy we're going to talk about is Marshall Ratliff. 
He was born March 26, 1903. That makes him an Aries, and that explains a lot. <laughs> uh, Henry Helms, who was born February 3rd, 1897, makes him an Aquarius. Mm-hmm. Lewis Davis, who was somehow related to Henry, I'm not sure how. Um, he was born January 28th, 1895. He is also an Aquarius. And Mr. Robert Hill, and I don't know much about him, and we will get to why later. So the so um, he's Bobby Hill, yeah, <laughs> he is. <laughs> Although um, you will not find a grave with that on it, and we will get damn. Yeah, it's a wild ride. <laughs> I'm ready. I, I was not expecting all of this. All right, so Marshall, Henry, and Robert were all ex-cons. They had all been in jail for various reasons. Um, Marshall had. Uh, been given a long prison sentence for robbing a bank in Valera, Texas, but he had been freshly paroled. I think that was a bad idea, and they realized this later. So he wanted to rob the bank in Cisco with his brother Lee, but before they could rob this bank, Lee robbed someone else and was sent back to jail. I think impulse control is a problem in this family. Sounds like it. Very much so. So Marshall called on his friends, Henry and Robert. Uh, They did have someone who was good with safes, like a good safe cracker. But that safe cracker came down with the flu. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) this is a sign with them. The universe is being like, y'all. There's so many signs. (laughs) Y'all. That is your um, friendly reminder to please wear a mask and get your flu shots because (laughs) All the diseases are running rampant right now, not just in 1927. Unless you're going to rob a bank and then please get whatever disease is out there. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. slow yourself down. Okay. Um, Anyway, so Lewis, um, who, like I said, was somehow related to Henry. He was a family man. Um, He was in need. He needed some money, which makes sense. And he um, promised he would help out with this if the guys wouldn't shoot anyone. And they're like, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. No shooting. <laughs> and um, the guys promised he'd get a good chunk of the profits. So he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. He was good at cracking safes. So it, it sort of made sense for him to do this. He's as dumb as a fucking fence post, though, clearly. Oh, let me tell you. Oh, let me tell you. Well, here's some, some, some just, this story is so Texas, y'all. <laughs> I've never like properly been in Texas. I've just like flown in a couple of times or whatever, like on my way to other places. And this story just is all I need to know about this state. So <laughs> bank crazy. robberies were really running rampant throughout the state, which I, I guess they were probably everywhere. It was in the twenties. But well, I mean, that's where Bonnie and Clyde started was Texas. Yes. Yeah. And you had at least um, three or four bank robberies a day in the state. <laughs> So the um, state bankers association offered a $5,000 reward to anyone who would shoot and kill a bank robber during the crime. That is for one, about $70,000 in today's money. Also, it would not be, you could not just shoot him. You had to kill him. They literally said, if he is breathing, we will not pay you any money. Christ. That is Texas. So, um, and Marshall knew because he had been in Cisco before, um, he knew he needed some kind of disguise to do this uh, robbery. Um, so he wanted to do something kind of festive and that oh would God. also seem, you know, kind of innocent. <laughs> so he decides, hey, I'm going to dress up as Santa Claus. So 
<laughs> um, the guys were staying at a boarding house in Wichita Falls, Texas, and they planned the heist there. And they borrowed the Santa suit from the woman who uh, owned the boarding house. And they took she just Francisco. happened to have one. I saw two different things. I saw that she had one, and then I saw that some other woman like sewed one for them. So I'm not sure what it was, but that was what I, I kept saying was, oh, they got it from this lady at the board. And this is pre Coca-Cola Santa. This is back when Santa was vaguely menacing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not the picture they ran in the paper, the picture they ran in the paper saying, Hey, look for this guy. It's a drawing of Santa and it's the jolliest dang. <laughs> picture you've ever seen. Oh, oh no. It's wild y'all. All right, so the guys go down to Cisco. Like I said, this is December 23rd, my mama's birthday. And yes. um, they, um, it's around noon. Uh, Marshall has the Santa suit on, and the other guys let him out a few blocks away from the bank. Um, and as you can imagine, I mean, any town two days before Christmas around noon is going to be bumping. People oh, are yeah. doing some last minute Christmas shopping or maybe buying something for their Christmas meals. So there are lots of folks in downtown Cisco and no one thought that Santa walking down the street was weird because it's two days before Christmas. Right. So naturally a lot of the local kids run up to them and they're like, Hey, Hey Santa, what are you bringing me? I want a pony or whatever kids want right. to them. I'm sure they wanted a pony. Who doesn't want a pony? Well, they're in Texas. They can get a pony. True. Um, and so he answered their little questions and patted him on the head and all this. I was like, okay, go away now. Um, and so then he met the other three bank robbers in a nearby alley and they all walked into the bank. And of course he's got some kids following him because he's Santa. If they're not dressed up as elves, this is a missed opportunity. Yeah, I know. So upon entering the bank, Marshall, who is dressed as Santa, is greeted by the cashiers. They're all like, hey, Santa. Oh, my God. So then Robert enters the bank next. He points a gun at a teller and says, hands up. Oh, Jesus. Henry and Lewis enter the banks. They point their guns at tellers, too. I was never clear on this. I didn't have a chance to, to... uh, really go back and research this but i think marshall stole a gun from the bank i think there was a gun in there i don't know how he knew it was there or whatever oh they, man those kids are gonna up. need so much therapy oh you have <laughs> hannah hannah <laughs> oh, this no. is right now what they are seeing and experiencing is g-rated compared to what oh, we're about to get into oh, no. <sighs> I, was, I just see Lori making a face <laughs> it's, don't worry Lori no no children die in this story I will say this but they just never celebrate happen. Christmas again <laughs> traumatic traumatized things do yes anyway um so they all have guns um and Santa Marshall starts um pulling all the money out he had a, a bag in his suit of course so he, he pulls it out and he's Santa stuffing bag. all the money in forces one to open the vault and meanwhile there had been this lady and her six-year-old daughter they had seen santa entering the bank and, and the little girl wanted to go say hi to santa so she's oh, like no. okay fine <laughs> oh no it's okay it's okay it's okay don't worry they're heroes in this situation oh okay, okay. good yeah so they follow the the robbers inside but as soon as they get inside they see that there's a robbery happening so they run away <laughs> exit and they stage go, left they do very quickly and uh they go and start screaming robbery robbery you know Smart. so the whole town now knows what's going on including the town's police chief ge bedford and officers george carmichael and rt reedies i don't know if that's reedies or reddies looks like reddies i don't know he's it's like, texas He's our only survivor, so I kind of like to have a name for him. But either way, 
So they all go over to the bank. Now, here's the thing. When you have Texas, you have guns. So like all of these civilians who are hearing that there's a bank robbery, come over with their guns. Those that don't have guns go to the local like hardware store to get their guns, including the local postmaster. Excuse me. You my, could my buy mail was late today. I had anyway. to shoot a bank robber. Yeah. yeah. But you could get, just go to the ace and get a shotgun. <laughs> yeah, you could. So no one is sure who fired the first shot. There is so many theories or there are so many theories out there about who shot first and why but either way a shootout ensues and everyone gets shot i mean you have citizens blank bank employees the cops the robbers it's a mess by the end of it it's estimated that over 200 bullet holes were in the bank and some people said that's a low number Price i don't doubt it bike yeah so meanwhile um the robbers are trying to get everyone out the back door toward their car so they're kind of taking a lot of these people inside the bank sort of as hostages mm -hmm. but once they get outside the people run off because <laughs> they're like bye however and this is the part where i'm like oh all of you guys it it's the kind thing when i say you're going on the naughty list the robber <laughs> used robbers used two little girls oh Robert homer 12 and emma ray may robertson 10 as shields oh, laverne no! and emma baby yeah. laverne and emma may um don't worry the girls survive this they converted to judaism right after this because they were like <laughs> fuck christmas i would I would. I would. I think a lot of kids tried to after this, actually. <laughs> They're like, later. we're done. <laughs> um, so uh, Chief Bedford, um, who was the town's police chief, who had been on the force for 25 years, was shot five times. Jesus. And he died on Christmas Day. And then oh. Officer Carmichael had been seriously wounded, and he went into a coma and died a few weeks later on January 7th. Damn. Um, My Officer nephew's birthday. Yeah. Officer Reddy's had managed Reddy's Reddy's Reedy's had managed to avoid getting shot while he tended to Carmichael. I mean, these guys were kind of like um, partners, sure. sort of. Mm -hmm. um, and, but as the guys drove away, he did run back into the police office to get another rifle and continue chasing. Now, Marshall, a.k.a. Santa, had been shot <laughs> twice. Once Damn. in the jaw, once in the leg. Oh, Jesus. And Oh, that's the least of their injuries. <laughs> it gets so much worse. Um, but Lewis, the guy who was the family man and didn't have a lot of money and needed money for his kids, mm -hmm. he was mortally wounded. Mm. Um, and meanwhile, eight civilians and blank and, and um, bank tellers were wounded too. I did see a list that had a list of names and all that, but I couldn't find it after I lost it. And either way, um, but no one else died. It's pretty well bank robbers and police who died Ugh. in the story. Anyway, these robbers, if you've not figured out already, are deeply stupid. <laughs> As they drove away from the scene in their Buick, they realized, gosh, we forgot to fill up before we left. <laughs> so they're running out of gas. Oh, I love so it. So they have all this money and these two little girls, and one of them is dying, and... They're running out of gas. Meanwhile, a mob of civilians and police officers are on their tails. And an officer manages to shoot one of their tires out. <laughs> this story gets so much better, y'all. <sighs> then Jesus. they see an Oldsmobile being driven by a 
15-year-old kid named Woodrow Wilson Harris, nicknamed Woody. Oh, Woody, oh, Woody Harris. And they carjack it. However, um, they move the hostages, the money, and a wounded Lewis all into this new ride, all while being fo- fired at by the mob. They go to start the car, but little Woody had snuck the keys out of the admission. <gasps> Good for oh, you, Woody. He was probably on a joyride anyway. He was like, he, look. No, his family had been out Christmas shopping and he had driven them around. Oh, wow. Because oh, I mean, Texas. Who cares? 19, Texas in driving? the 1920s, right? Who cares? Who yeah. cares? I you mean, know. in my hometown, you started driving at 14. So that's definitely. Same, same, same. same. Yeah. Well, by this time, Lewis was unconscious. Um, excuse me, unconscious. So the guys left him in that Oldsmobile and moved back to the first car with the two hostages. Now, Robert was shot during this exchange, but he kept going. And in the chaos, the guys didn't realize that when they left Lewis in the Oldsmobile, they also left the money. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they get for leaving their man behind. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. And they had stolen a decent amount. They had stolen over $12,000 in cash, which is over $200,000 in today's money, and $150,000 in non-negotiable securities, which I guess is just fancy crap. I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. That's over two, $2.5 Jesus. Um, but all of this was returned to the bank. Lewis was taken to a hospital. He died of his wounds. And this was, as I said earlier, the only crime this man ever committed. Oh, bless his heart. Lewis, he bet on I the wrong feel- horse baby yeah he did i feel really bad about for him now the three remaining robbers and their hostages continued the chase they eventually drove into a pasture full of cactus and other stuff that's not (laughs) good for your car (laughs) they abandoned that car full of bullet holes and the little girls outside of town they left them there which the girls were found and they were unharmed so i mean let's add kidnapping to our list of crimes we've committed today They they got they got it and that's okay because little um Emma told on them in court. We'll get to that. Good for um, you, Emma. Good for her. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so local police from surrounding areas join in on this manhunt, and it becomes the largest manhunt in the state. News is spread far and wide throughout the state of Texas, and of course, kids all over the state are hearing the news, and they're starting to get a little suspicious of Santa Claus. One newspaper reported that on Christmas Eve at some church somewhere, Santa Claus entered and a little boy said, Santa, why did you rob that bank? (laughs) Oh, no. I'm like, oh, honey, please somehow explain to this baby that that's just a man in a costume. The real Santa would never rob a bank. No. Anyway, they continue just doing ridiculous stuff because they have no money. They're all wounded. It's just a mess. They um, stole another car and they later wrecked it. And then they carjacked another car driven by a man named Carl Wiley. They forced him to drive. Carl's dad fired a gun at the car, but only managed to hit his son. Um, Jesus. Now, because they were not prepared for any of this in any type of way, uh, they were hungry and all they had were oranges. So that night they stayed up and ate oranges, which they did not (laughs) offer Carl, who was wounded. How dare you? Um, and again, I mean, it's, you're getting temperatures that are below freezing. They're hungry. They're wounded. They're not doing great. So the next day they release Carl, they steal another car. Um, and then the next morning though, they were ambushed 
by a deputy sheriff named Cy Bedford and his double-barreled shotgun named Old Betsy. (laughs) Old Betsy. He shot all three guys, and they all still continued to run. But Marshall (laughs) was the only one who was captured. And when he was arrested, they said they found on him six pistols and six bullet wounds. Man. grief. Yeah. Now, Henry and Robert continued to run for a few more days, and police basically kept them running day and night, hoping to kind of wear them out because they they know they're hungry, they're hurt, you know. And finally, they were captured on December 30th, so a full week after the robbery in Graham, Texas. They were trying to hide out in a boarding house, but of course, people in the boarding house were like, hey, there's these guys that are... um." starving and and they're kind of shot (laughs) Um, it looked like shit man yeah so they basically gave up the gun when as soon as the cops came to the boarding house they were like yes take us please (laughs) we need Um, help one law enforcement officer said the guys were quote literally riddled with bullets (laughs) and henry had four guns on him when he was arrested robert had three so they could have put up a fight but they didn't so the three remaining robber robbers did survive all of these wounds and they did all go to trial. So we're coming to the end of the story. I promise. Um, <laughs> no, I'm riveted. It's fucking insane. It is. Oh, you think we're almost done. Oh, Hannah? God damn it. Just, it gets crazier. I don't know how <laughs> y'all. I literally thought this was going to be a funny story about this guy. Robert it is pretty Santa funny. Suit. No, it's, it's, it, it, it gets wild. We oh get man, some nudity later. FYI, oh, oh damn right. <laughs> okay, but I wanted to go back and mention Lewis briefly and and say where he died, um, or where he's buried. So, like I said, Lewis, uh, he died just after this bank robbery. He was only thirty two. He was buried in Riverside Cemetery in Wichita Falls, Wichita Falls, Texas, and he left behind what, according to Find a Grave, looks like a wife and three kids. Um, he may have had other children that just aren't listed i really don't know but he has one of those nice flat garden markers and it just reads father with his names and date with his name and dates and then let's find out what happened to the other three it's a wild ride so robert uh pleaded guilty to armed robbery um he did testify in front of the judge and he begged for mercy and said he'd had a bad childhood (laughs) i don't i don't care my my dude a lot of people have had horrible childhoods and they don't grow up to be criminals i mean common sense um he was given a life sentence and he escaped from jail three times Jesus. But he was eventually paroled in the 1940s. He changed his name and became, quote, a productive citizen. And he died in 1996. Jesus. I can't find anything on him because, and this is Bobby Hill that you mentioned earlier. (laughs) I can't find, because if he changed his name, he's, I can't find him. Right. So, um, I don't know where he's buried. I just, I've seen a lot of references that said he died in 96, end of story. But um, sometime later in life, he became BFF with Woodrow Wilson Harris, the 14-year-old kid that stopped him Oh my God, how? Carjacking. I don't know. I guess they just met up again and became best friends. Jesus. Woody, Woody said about Bobby Hill, he's a fine fellow. He's my friend. Okay, Woody. <laughs> 
Okay. Woody, did you get hit in the head when they took Probably. your car? Anyway, all right, let's let's just continue the craziness. All right, so Henry was identified as the one who shot both Chief Bedford and Officer Carmichael. I don't know how they know that. Maybe someone saw it, but right. it was so bonkers and so many people were shooting. Um, but either way, he was given the death penalty for this. He tried to plead insanity and it didn't work. He was electrocuted on September 6, 1929. He was 32. Uh, his last meal supposedly was cabbage, sausage, tomatoes, coffee, and pie. Doesn't sound bad. I'd eat it. Ooh, cabbage and sausage sounds good. I know, right? That's what I said. I love cabbage. I'm weird. I'm like obsessed with it. <laughs> Why did I just This say is that? a pro cabbage <laughs> podcast. I love cabbage. I use okay, fun fact. When I was a baby and we had it like in the fridge, I would go nibble little bits. I mean, I wouldn't nibble off of the actual head of cabbage. I would like take little bits off of it and eat it and say I was being a bunny rabbit. I teeth. No, um, I pretended to be a bunny rabbit and ate raw cabbage. When I was teething, my mom gave me green onions because it would Ooh. numb my gums. So I teased on green onions. You're fine. Okay. That's yummy, actually. Okay. Anyway, um, so he is buried at a really fascinating cemetery. So let me tell you all about this cemetery real quick. Uh, it, he is at Captain Joe Bird's Cemetery, which is the cemetery at the State Penitentiary. Oh. Early on, the cemetery was called the Peckerwood Cemetery. <laughs> Peckerwoods were yep. poor inmates who um, their bodies had gone unclaimed. If and now it died, means uh, a white guy in prison. Yeah, basically. Um, but yeah, so either the inmates had either been executed at the prison or they had died and no one came to claim them. So they would be put in this cemetery. Now, before 1974, there were no records kept of who was buried there. Of course. But, why would you? Why would you? But in 1962, um, Captain Joe Bird and his crew, um, he worked at the cemetery. At the, jail um they started cleaning up the cemetery and locating graves and in 74 they started keeping records and so a lot of the early graves were marked with wooden crosses which of course deteriorate to nothing over time some graves are identified with a, a white cross with the date and their inmate prison number and that is what henry has his grave is just a white cross with his death date and x70 which i don't know if that's his inmate number or what um, but it looks like a really cool cemetery and now they say it's, excuse me, open to the public and you can go and like explore the grounds. It just seems really cool with a lot of different types of monuments there. Um, anyway, it, it appears that he left behind, if, if Finder Grave is to be believed, six kids and a wife. Um, it looks like his kids went on to live happy lives, except for his very handsome son, James Glenn, who died at 20 in World War II. No, He was a very handsome young man. I won't Bless lie. Bless his heart. Henry was kind of a looker. And uh, uh, and his son, James it's Glenn. It's the bad boys. It's always I the know. bad boys. James Glenn was a looker too. All right. So let's end up with Santa Claus. Who, um, bless his heart. He, he, <laughs> he could have flapped those ears up to the North Pole. <laughs> oh, he had, he had, he had very big ears. So he was convicted of armed robbery on January 27th, 1928, and sentenced to 99 years in prison. Ten-year-old Emma May, one of his hostages, identified him as the Santa who robbed the bank and, and kidnapped her. Um, 
And of course, he gets this life sentence on the way to jail. He says, that's no heel for a high stepper like me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, dude. (laughs) Um, In March, um, so a few months later, he was finally sentenced to um, the death uh, to death uh, for killing Chief Bedford and Carmichael, even though, again, no one saw Santa fire a gun in the bank. Um, But they just because he was kind of the ringleader and this was his idea, he was still sentenced to death for their um, deaths. Um, But then on the day that Henry was executed, he decided to also try an insanity plea and he started acting kind of crazy. And the judge was like, dude, really, really? Um, So in 19 November, 1929, the judge had him extradited to another County um, basically because they had, they committed these crimes across several counties, right? Mm-hmm. So he was like, I'm going to send you to this other county and you can get executed there. And you, this, we won't have you here in Cisco where it's kind of bonkers and there's a mob of people who'd like to see you dead. <laughs> but Marshall, old Santa, mm-hmm. just can't act right. He's just, oh, he's, he's going to just, he's going to be stupid till the very end so while he was waiting on his execution there he faked being able to do anything he stopped eating stopped moving um two of his jailers tom jones like the tom jones okay um, (laughs) who was known as uncle tom and pack kilborn um had to feed him and bathe him and take him to the potty and because he was refusing to do any of this stuff so he he was kind of acting paralyzed um anyway so while he has them kind of fooled and they think he can't move um he breaks away from them and steals a pistol in the office desk and he shot tom jones who would die a few days later jesus tom jones and then he got into a fight with pack i would pay to see this this sounds like this was a very sexy fight between two men i'm sorry it just sounds really hot who's pack again pack is one of the jailers okay pack beats him unconscious oh okay and he throws him in his jail cell he's like go back in there you're you're no count but the news of tom being shot and all of this craziness goes all over the town so by the next morning a mob really had formed uh calling for marshall's uh for Marshall, they wanted him dead um, that next morning. Um, and by that evening, uh, the mob had grown and they overpowered Pack. And several men went inside. They dragged Marshall out. They stripped him. I told you there would be nudity. Uh, they oh, tied Lord. his hands and feet. They carried him to a nearby telephone pole behind a theater. I saw it was both a film theater, like a movie theater, and a like just regular theater theater yeah they'd be having both at those at that time they would either way the story says that whatever they were either the play that was going on or the film that was showing was called the noose i don't know if this is true <laughs> but that's supposedly well, what that's on was. point so they tie him up to the telephone poles behind the theater they tried to lynch him but the knot failed the first time jesus they tried a second time his last words were forgive me boys and then he hanged wow. like, he's just 26 
everyone in this story is a fucking idiot. (laughs) He left behind a wife and at least two sons. Oh, Uh, he was killed on November 19th, 1929. And of course, because it's 1929 in Texas, he was put on display in the furniture store window before his family could come and claim his body. Still with his balls out? I don't know. They did say they put a loincloth on him before they <laughs> hanged him, which I'm like, why even bother? What why the even fuck? Bother? You're going to be hanging a man, which is I know vulgar, took, but took heaven forbid you see his dick. Sack. Yeah. They, I was like, why did y'all strip him naked to begin with? And then two, why did you tie a sack around his waist if you well, were trying like to hoist him up? That story in like it was somewhere in the south because of course it was where the lady went the journalist went to go witness the execution uh, execution but they said her skirt was too short yeah mm-hmm. i'm like you're about to put a man to death but the Which length is of her the most obscene thing ever but you could see but, yeah. a little bit of her knee so let's throw a fit oh god people her are ridiculous knee. so anyway um his mom did come and claim his body um he was buried at mount olivet cemetery in fort worth he does not have a headstone at the time of his funeral robert had escaped (laughs) and they expected him to show up at at marshall's funeral but he didn't no he was recaptured and sent back to jail and then you know later he got paroled um so marshall's mother sisters and girlfriend who i don't think is his wife were in attendance but his brother who was still in jail for another armed robbery was not allowed to attend well yeah this mother better be proud of these sons jesus and i know we are not shocked when i say no one was ever tried in association for the lynching no one saw anything yeah no all right everyone participated yeah exactly we're gonna wrap up by talking about the cops who died in this so chief ge bedford uh who was shot and killed in that main robbery he was buried at oakwood cemetery in cisco uh his monument says ge bit bedford he went by bit Aww. and um with his years and then if if find a grave is to be believed he left a wife and three kids he was 59 mm-hmm. i don't know if i mentioned that officer carmichael was 60 um he was shot during the bank robbery he remained in a coma until his passing two weeks later on january 7th um he is also buried at oakwood cemetery in cisco his marker has his name in years and if find a grave is to be believed he left behind at least a wife um and i think maybe a stepchild now, Tom Jones, this is, uh, y'all ready to cry? I, I, I'm, I decided to, to bring out the tears for Tom. So he was killed when Marshall tried to escape. He was one of the jailers. He died on November 20th, 1929, surrounded by a family and his coworkers who loved him dearly. He was 55. Um, he had a wife and two kids. Uh, his youngest was a little boy named Billy, and he told Billy to be a good boy. He knew mm-hmm. he was dying. And his partner, Pac, who ended up you know beating the crap out of marshall uh he was there and he said pack i've stayed with you to the last but i've got to leave you now oh i was like well i will never stop crying (laughs) uh he is buried at eastland cemetery in eastland texas with a marker that has his name his years and gone but not forgotten and then there's a nearby sign that says t.a tom jones the jailer who was shot by the santa claus bank robber damn so the first national bank is still in operation in cisco 
can't keep a good bank down, um, <laughs> but they are in a different building and they have a new name, First Financial Bank. Uh, the original uh, bank was torn down after the trials were over. Um, the new building from, and this is what I have read. I hope this is all true. Uh, the new building has a painting of the robbery and photos and news clippings to be like, hey, look, we were the Santa Claus bank robbery bank. Um, and then there is a plaque that reads, and just the way it ends just slays me. <laughs> Slay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm easily entertained. I hate uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so the plaque reads, scene of the daring Santa Claus bank robbery, December 23rd, 1927. During Christmas festivities, costumed Santa and three fellow bandits looted bank of $12,200 cash, $150,000 securities. They escaped through gun battle with two little girls as hostages. A three-day manhunt followed. The three or the children and money were recovered. The robbers captured. Six persons were killed, eight injured. Later, a mob lynched santa when he broke out of jail <laughs> that last oh, sentence Jesus. just sends me later a mob lynched santa when he broke, when he broke out, of out of jail and just when you broke gentlemen. him out of jail yeah. layers that is the wild santa claus bank robbery of cisco texas i love goodness it goodness gracious yeah i thought that would be fun that was epic it was it's- it's the most Texas story ever. It is truly very Texas. Yes. All right, Luhu. It was all fuckery and shenanigans. <laughs> yes. From the word go. Yeah. So I'm going to start mine with just a little trigger warning for suicide. Um, so if you're struggling or that's not really something you want to hear about, you can, you're totally okay to skip forward. Um, so yeah, we're going to throw back call back to our first episode um if you will recall that's when we kind of shared our what got us interested in cemeteries and crime and pretty much what rekindled my interest in cemeteries and the stories of the people found there was uh coming upon the headstone for the olive branch jane doe who mm-hmm. had been found murdered off the highway in 1985 uh again learning her story was the main catalyst for my interest in cemeteries and true crime in general and it even inspired me to cover her story and a few others in our doe episode which was number 18 um yeah, that was probably my favorite episode that I've yeah. researched. I went down a rabbit hole and I was there for days. And um, yeah, so uh, today I will be covering the story of the Christmas tree lady, Aww. otherwise known as the Annandale Jane Doe. Annandale, like the bride of Annandale. Yes, but Annandale, Virginia. Oh, okay. Cool. Yes, no, So at 9 a.m. on Wednesday, December 18th, 1996, a groundskeeper at the Pleasant Valley Memorial Park in Annandale, Virginia, comes to work, you know, to take care of his headstones and the people of his cemetery. Um, He discovers the body of a woman who had a plastic bag taped over her head. Oh, no. In the section of the cemetery dedicated to the burial of children and infants. It was known as Babyland. Yeah. Oh. 
When detectives arrived 40 minutes later, she was still warm. She what? had, yeah, she had not been there long uh, oh, when the groundskeeper showed real. up. She had plenty of items with her, but nothing provided any idea as to who she was. And thus the mystery of the Christmas tree lady's identity begins. So she came into that cemetery that morning on a mission. She chose her perfect location. She set up a small Christmas tree that she decorated with gold ornaments and red ribbon, hence the Christmas tree lady. I know this one. Okay, carry on. Okay, yes. She (laughs) set down her backpack, pulled out her portable tape player, and put on her headphones and turned on the tape of the 2,000-year-old man, which features Carl Reiner, Reiner interviewing legendary comic Mel Brooks. About the things he's learned over the last millennium. Uh, She then placed the plastic bag over her head and taped it and suffocated herself. Bless her heart. So I don't know if an autopsy was completed, um, but the Doe Network page for her noted that her blood alcohol level was 0.14. And she had Valium in her system. Uh, Now... Along that note about the autopsy, detectives discovered two $50 bills in her pocket, along with a type written note that read, quote, deceased by own hand, prefer no, prefer no autopsy. Please order cremation with funds provided. Thank you, Jane Doe. Mm, Bless her heart. And so for the next 25 years, Jane Doe is who she remained spoiler alert we do learn who she is by the end of this so oh wonderful okay because the last time time i heard that story nobody knew yet i think it was on an old cracked list back in the day very very like super recent okay Um, sweet so in addition to her final wishes note she had a typed poem that read quote now i lay me down to sleep soon to drift to the eternal deep and though I die and shall not wake, sleep sweeter will be than this life I forsake. Oh, man. Mm, bless her heart. Uh, the, the assumption was that she wrote this poem. Yeah. Um, detectives were baffled. She was clean and well-groomed. She did not appear to suffer from any financial difficulties or, you know, homelessness um, that might lead her to decide to take her own life. Right. She was found wearing a teal Eddie Bauer jacket two sweaters, a silk shirt, and navy blue wool pants, which were all believed to have been purchased by an upscale department store. Like the brand name was one you would find at a Nordstrom's or Saks Fifth Avenue. Yeah, that was was back when Eddie Bauer was like... Nice. Legit. Very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Her hair was red and it was styled. Her nails were manicured and painted red. She wore clip-on earrings, had a small gold guest watch, a 24-karat gold ring with four jade stones, and a medical alert bracelet. It was a necklace with the engraving, no code, DNR, no penicillin. Oh, wow. She was someone that was was going to die. So she had all her bases covered. Now, her backpack contained two additional comedy tapes, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, oh. and Jeff Foxworthy's You Might Be a Redneck. Oh, no. Which, just like, 
Oh, honey. Two very different ends of the spectrum. Yes. Yes. But for sure. Both funny in their own right. Yeah. Comedy tapes. This is so 90s. Exactly. Yes. Um, as well as her bifocals, an empty bottle of brandy, two empty juice boxes. That explains her blood alcohol. Yeah. Right. I, I think I think that's probably what you know, she drank the juice and the brandy. Yeah. To to finish her job um but the most interesting thing and the strangest thing that was found in her backpack is she had a very old worn mini mouse kids fanny pack that was no. so worn and tattered that it was held together by tape and safety Aww. pins oh, oh man um and so yeah that's there's a lot that's not answered we know who she is but we don't know a lot right um Physically, she was about five feet tall. And as I mentioned before, she had short, curly, reddish copper hair. She did have an eight inch scar on her abdomen that indicated she may have previously given birth via C-section. Mm-hmm. And she was believed to be about 60 years old. No, oh, huh. Her fingerprints and palm prints were entered into, entered into CODIS, but no matches. A dental exam was done and a radiologist reviewed x-rays to determine if she had any previous injuries that would help identify her. Um, so yeah, they're doing the damn thing. Yeah. Um, they posted pictures of her distinctive jewelry on the internet. They tried to figure out where she got the juice because it was an uncommon brand. Mm -hmm. They even tried to figure out what prescription her glasses were so they could go to area optometrists to see if anybody had that prescription. Nothing, nada, zilch. Wow. No leads. Um, so, and again, here I want to applaud the work that the Fairfax County uh, detectives did because this was not a murder. This was just a woman who died by suicide and they were trying their damnedest to get her name and f- find out who she was. Um, in 2000, one of the detectives on the case who was I think one of the first to actually come upon her body, he said, uh, Detective Richard Perez said, quote, if she's a drifter, she's the best kept drifter I've ever seen. This lady appears to have taken a thoughtful effort to leave us no clue as to who she is. And she's got it all plotted out, end quote. Damn. So she remained nameless. Uh, people all over the internet have speculated about who she was. Um, apparently it's a pretty popular um, Jane Doe on Reddit. I did not go down that rabbit hole because I was running short on time and (laughs) I would have spent 24 hours there. Um, But in January of this year, it was announced that Othram, Othram, INC, a genetic genealogy company based in Houston, had raised the $5,000 needed to create her genetic profile um, and search for connection. And it was kind of surprising. $3,000 was from one anonymous donor. Oh, wow. Somebody put forth the money that really made it able, them able to, to put this together. Um, Authorm has been super successful and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing this because this company is amazing. I just forgot to look up the, the pronunciation. So if I'm saying it wrong, I'm sorry. Don't, don't at me. Um, they've been super successful in identifying victims through genetic genealogy since they were founded in 2018 in March of 2021, they identified Arizona's little miss, nobody as Sharon Lee. Gallegos, who had been yeah. abducted from New Mexico at age four in 1960. Oh. 
bless. Um, In November of 2021, they helped identify Sherry Ann Jarvis, who had been murdered in Huntsville, Texas in 1980. And they were even able to help identify the remains of 15-year-old Evelyn Cologne, a pregnant teen whose remains were found in three separate suitcases in Pennsylvania in 1976, including her unborn baby girl. Um, Her boyfriend and the father of her child were charged, was charged with the murder in 2021. Wow, I'm shocked. So this company amazeballs. They are doing the work and basically they the only reason they charge is to keep the business open. Right. Like they, so by May, so they got the DNA in January, but by May of this year, they had found a possible connection. Um, an 88 year old man living in Virginia beach named David Meyer was believed to be the victim's brother. Mm. He couldn't identify whether or not she was his sister. He did have a sister, but she had kind of disconnected from the family and he hadn't seen her in about 50 years. Wow. Uh, So he was like, I don't know, but I have a sister in Phoenix. You go talk to her. She maybe can tell you for sure if this is her or not. So they went to see Annette Meyer Clow, who quickly asserted that the Christmas tree lady was 100% her oldest sister. Joyce Meyer Summers and it was confirmed through the genetic testing that it was indeed Joyce oh so and that said quote I was stunned just stunned the family had looked for her they were still looking for her a year after she had died I'm relieved to know that something horrible didn't happen to her it sounds like something she'd been planning for a long time yeah um and I don't know what, how to feel about Annette and the family. We can discuss it a little bit when I get to it. Uh, but here's, now we're going to learn a little bit about Joyce. So Joyce Meyer Summers was born in July of 1927 in Davenport, Iowa. And she was the oldest of three girls and two boys born to Arthur and Margaret Davenport. So she would have been about 69 years old at her time of death. Hmm. Uh now, much of the information I have about her is provided by her sister. Uh, so I don't know how much of this is historically accurate or not, but here's, you know, what we do know. Joyce grew up on a farm in Iowa. She attended Iowa State University. And after college, she moved to Los Angeles where she worked at Seventeen Magazine. Oh, wow. I thought it was really fucking cool. I'm like, wow. That is. Um, she lived with an aunt, so... I don't know how long she was at the magazine, but her sister did say she was very creative, artistic, smart. And so it was the perfect job for her. Um, But at some point she quit the magazine and began teaching second grade at a Catholic school. Um, And around this time, she began seeing a psychiatrist and convinced her mother to come to LA for a confrontation session. Oh, geez. Uh, Because apparently uh, Joyce was recalling memories that she had a very bad childhood and she was abused by her parents. But Annette disputed those claims and said, quote, at that time, psychoanalysis was about all about blaming the family, blame the mother. It sort of estranged her from the family. It was just awful. It broke my mother's heart, end quote. So I'm not going to pass judgment. I don't know what happened here. This was the 1950s. She could have had a traumatic childhood. I mean, usually it's the oldest that gets the brunt of the. the, And frankly, it's entirely likely she was born in 1927 that she had 
a troubled childhood. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, you don't know the younger sister, like my mom was the oldest and she, my mom wasn't abused. Was she mistreated a little bit? Probably because she was forced to be a parent to two yeah. younger children when she was not like she was a teenager. Right. Uh, when her parents were working, but you, you can't say whether or not Joyce had trauma and apparently she felt like she did. And so Annette was trying to say that I feel like the insinuation was that it was all in Joyce's head and it very right. likely could have been, but to me, like we, we believe survivors here right, uh, and victims. And it seems like she felt as if, if it, it was strong enough that she wanted to confront her mama over yeah. it. Mm-hmm. then yeah so i mean to something, me something happened yeah something had to have and, happened and did the younger siblings never they wonder they where their sibling never, was no they never said anything like oh yeah she was abused we saw our parents no. hit her or anything like Mm-mm. or did they, they just, just the only person did they deny it well the only person quoted in this article because remember we just like this was just a yes yeah, so it's a recent a, yeah yeah so you know, and at most of her family is past. Yeah. Because, you know, this was, I mean, yeah, she was the oldest of five, but she was born in 1927. And then her brother was 88. Right. right? So, you know, a lot of them are older and probably might not even remember. Yeah, um, that's true. But either way, um, she pretty much cut herself off from the family. Now, Annette did write her letters and Joyce would write her back occasionally. Um and then at some point, Joyce moved to Seattle. She got married to a man named James E. Summers, but their marriage ended in divorce in 1977, and they had no children. So there's no record that she is uh, she ever gave birth. So there is what that eight-inch scar on her abdomen was from is still a mystery. I bet it was gallbladder because my grandma had her gallbladder out, and before laparoscopic surgery, they basically gutted you like a fish. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And there was no, like, no information on, you know. So basically, they have no idea what that scar was from. And right. all, all the records said it was probably a C-section. And I mean, I I don't know where her remains are. I don't know right. if they cremated her, which I'm assuming they did, but they took her DNA beforehand. Right. So I don't know any of that. But um, well, when you yeah. said earlier that yeah she had that scar and that she had that was it a mickey mouse fanny pack that that fanny pack i know that made me think maybe a that child kids right and that maybe her child died and she lived with this intense grief and maybe even guilt um and maybe she felt like this was her only way to you know loosen up some of that guilt but i if if it wasn't a baby then i don't know yeah, I, yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, she very well could have had Well, a she was a teacher, so maybe it was a student. Yeah, that's yeah. true, too. Or, again, this is like the 1950s. I mean, you could have a... Could have been hers. Yeah. Yeah, You could. she could have had a baby. I mean, well, granted, a C-section, she would have had to have some kind of medical assistance, but... But, um, too, she was... And I'm not saying if you work at a Catholic school, you are a Catholic. Right. But God knows. She's religious. Right. The Catholics may have put a lot of guilt on her if maybe she was unwed and pregnant. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and too. And, and she just never talked about having had a child. I don't know. Well, it's, and back in the day. I so bad to just wildly speculate yeah, on this. Lady. Right. Like, I mean, but back in the day, you could check in to the hospital 
have a baby, give them a name, and then disappear into the ether, never to yeah. be seen yep. again. Yeah, that's a good yep. point. I mean, you know, it's only extremely recently that we've had, you know, electronic health records and health mm-hmm. records that actually follow us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Well, God, yeah, so heart. after she, her divorce, she moved to Tucson, Arizona, where she lived in a trailer park. Her siblings did visit her sometime in the 80s, and that's the last time anyone saw her. She seemingly dropped off the face of the earth. Um, Now, the siblings did try to locate her in the early 90s. They even hired a private detective to try to find her. They did search her trailer in Arizona, but it had been abandoned. They did find four copies of her memoir that she had self-published called The Target Child, which detailed this traumatic childhood that's all i know with a title like that that that's all i know yeah i don't know anything else about it um there was no other evidence of who she was or where she or where she went or what her plans were annette said quote we were surmising that she was with a cult someplace because remember this is the 90s we never found here or or here we never found her anywhere the case was cold end quote Mm. So the little that's known is she did leave Arizona for Virginia. We don't know what she did, really. There are some records of her living in a couple of different places. uh, And there's no real understanding of why she decided to take her life in the area known as baby land. Um, So we can only speculate why she chose that location. Right. Um, Her sister's theory is that it was a symbolic nod to her belief that children can be permanently damaged by their parents, which... Yeah, I can definitely see yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so that is the story of Joyce Meyer Summers, the Christmas tree lady. Unfortunately, we don't know what led her to complete suicide, mm-hmm. but ho- she has her name and hopefully she is at peace. Bless her heart. Um, and let's give it up for Othram, Othram, whatever. This mm-hmm. lab was cr- created specifically to aid law enforcement and they are doing the damn thing. Yeah. Uh, Kristen Middleman, who is the chief development officer, and she's also married to the founder. Uh, I think his name is David. She said, quote, there is no better feeling than knowing that you play a key role in identifying victims, perpetrators, giving answers to families and facilitating justice, end quote. Mm-hmm. And see, I'm so conflicted about this because like, as somebody who had the ideation and my plan was to be completely anonymous with it of like, Mm -hmm. nobody would ever know. Nobody would ever know. So on the one hand, like giving her her name back, but she didn't want it. Right. In the end, she didn't want her name. She didn't want anyone to find her or to know her, you know, I've, Mm -hmm. I thought that too, but I, I don't know. There's a part, but then, you know, you, Go ahead, Gina. I just don't like the idea of, of someone not having their name in death like and I guess it doesn't matter truly because when it's all said and done with you know um you know your name and that's right because I can tell you from but, like suicidal logic to like you're not only leaving your life but you're also leaving all of that shit that was attached to yeah. your name to your identity to you know, all of that and saying, I'm just nothing now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then, then there's also, you could also consider the folks that (laughs) are the statistic that, um, and I know this isn't accurate for everybody, but people who 
attempt suicide, they usually like right regret it like they they, right they Mm -hmm. do whatever they do they're like they have that moment of clarity like oh no 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 i don't i don't don't want to do this so you know i just like she had that actually no it sounds like she was determined which you know and and i'm a big proponent of you know if you have something terminal yeah i think you ought to be able to go on your own terms oh absolutely yeah i'm i'm a big believer in dignity and death and you mm-hmm. should be able to call the shots at that point because you know if you, if that's not what you want for yourself okay i i don't want to say i'm pro suicide because right i, I mean I having anyone feeling this bad but part of me is like if you truly are that if you're dying and you i, I want people pain. to have peace right right but I, I hope she had that. I don't know if she did. Mm-hmm. It I don't seems know. like she did. A very she interesting went, story. She went. I mean, I know suffocation is like that. Sounds like scary. Such a way to right. Go. But she was so out of it. I mean, point one four alcohol with yeah. and then the Valium. Yeah, yeah. probably just like black. Went to sleep. Went just to went to sleep. And she just, was she was laying ooh. on a tarp. Like she she was very thoughtful in how she did it. And yeah. You know, I just know the community really wanted to to solve the mystery of yeah. who she was. So, as you you know, it she doesn't care anymore, right? She, she, yeah, she made her peace with her decision. So, um, you know, it's it's nice that the mystery's been solved and that her family knows whether or not. Like, I didn't. Again, it was just one article in the Washington right. Post, mm-hmm. so I didn't get the vibes that her sister really gave a shit other than what right. she said um well especially since they hadn't seen of course if somebody wants to disappear themselves they right you yeah. know there's it's like all these what if scenarios yeah and, and that's kind of the thing too with me as well as like if she'd wanted her siblings to know they'd yeah. know you know mm-hmm. i think well, so then, too. part of me is like if her family was really this terrible she had every right to be like yeah i'm leaving you bye right well one of the things i didn't mention is when they went to visit her in arizona according to annette she got pissed because they would not build her a house she did not want to live in a trailer and she asked her siblings to i guess pay for her to have a house right and they couldn't do it and that's when she got mad and basically cut off communication so couldn't or wouldn't probably couldn't i mean i that's not something that in the 80s i think people could just be oh yeah let's build our sister a house you know it'd be weird to ask your siblings to do that right when you weren't close to begin with that now and i may be wrong on the timeline here if she's wearing clothes from department stores like eddie bauer and she would need somebody to buy her a house oh, yeah. this was this was later so okay the, the sibling incident was in the 80s and okay. nobody knows what she was doing or how she was making her money or right of the sort uh up until her death only that she was obviously living you know a a, a moderately pleasant nice life because of her her hair being styled, the clothes, right. she was wearing, her nails being well, manicured. And it's not fair either for me to say, oh, she's wearing department store clothes. She could have gone, gone to the thrift store. Oh, yeah. I have a ton of and, designer stuff that's thrifted. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, 
to me, just because you're clean doesn't mean you're rich. It just mm-hmm. means right. you have good hygiene or and well then, like, cut her nails right. being done. She could have that could have been her last splurge was to have. Well, her that's nails what done. I that, that's yeah. what I was about to say. You know, maybe she, she wanted to look together. nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, know, in that, that she might have spent the last of her money on a really nice outfit, you know. Yeah, and they say a lot of times that ladies um, will do that. When yeah, they're planning to do that. Fix they themselves clean, up. They clean themselves and they clean their house or whatever mm-hmm. they know people are going to see. Yeah. Well, and it's unfortunate. I don't have a good picture. Like the picture I have of her is just garbage. So yeah, it'll it'll be when we post to the socials um and the artist's rendering of her is actually much much better um and it's hard to tell if it even resembles her because and i i think it does because she was found so quickly after uh, her passing uh but yeah the picture i have is like from the 60s and there's no other picture of her wow um so yeah that's just seems to be there's a lot of questions about her family life and and what happened to her and i'm just it's sad yeah and you know um, the truth is so subjective sometimes mm-hmm. it is what is what is someone's truth is not necessarily someone else's truth and right. so I'm not saying she lied about anything. I'm not saying that what happened right. to her didn't happen to her because I, I, if she, I mean, it, she clearly believed she had a traumatic childhood. Um, but it's one of those things. It's, I think about this all the time. I guess this is a journalism thing. Um, and actually, weirdly enough, I really learned this when I was working at that really big um, tourist <laughs> attraction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that someone can, you have a big event or you have something where there are a lot of people and everyone's going to remember it differently. And the truth yeah. is going to be different for everyone there. And that's even true within a small nuclear family, right? Of mm-hmm. the family will all remember things differently. And we'll five see people and- can see the same event and have five different stories. Yeah. Yep. And I just, I, I'm, I'm one of those people I always want the facts, the facts, the facts. And sometimes I have to be like, Sheena, you're never going to know the facts. Right. Everyone involved is either dead or not talking, or they can't agree on what happened. It's just, uh-huh. oh. but I did want to say too, and Lori, I'm sure you were about to say this, but if you are feeling this way, please contact 988. Absolutely. Yes. Please, please, please. Call somebody. Um, yeah. Um, because we want you here. Yes. Absolutely. You are loved. Um, and- you can always, you know, send us a message <laughs> that we will see. I yes, yes, we will. No. Um, but yeah, I just, I hate that for her. I, th- mm-hmm. I hate that she felt like that was her only option. Because yeah. it's not. There, there's no, a lot of good never. stuff you need to stick around for. Um, Look, and- if I had gone through with my plan, that would have happened back in 2018. And yes, spit. we would not have been here doing this right now. No, we wouldn't. No, this podcast wouldn't exist. Right. I would. I, we're not going <laughs> to think about where she would be. Because literally, like, you're one of my one or two people of I can't do that to X person. Right. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're one of them. Oh, absolutely. Hannah. And dang it. I know. And now, I mean, I know you would have missed two amazing years of COVID, but you know, I know, I know a lot. It's still worth being here for at least if for Absolutely. no other reason out of pure spite. Exactly. To tick off the right people. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway. Okay. Job, Hannah. Thanks. Speaking you know, of 
That's a big one. Oh yeah. So <laughs> it's not going to get any better from here, guys. Oh. Um, so on Take the subject, home, Rhodes. Uh, whew, it's been about <laughs> to get real country. <laughs> this is from the state in which I grew up, Arkansas. Ooh. And speaking of people who should have strangled themselves with a bag. <laughs> Here we go. Jeez. Oh, Merry Christmas, y'all. <laughs> so we're going to talk about a man named Ronald Gene Simmons. Wait, what? Yep. I know. I know. The last two <laughs> different, different guy altogether. Okay. Um, so Ronald, to his friends, was in fact born in Chicago, Illinois in 1940, <laughs> um, July 15th, which I think makes him a cancer. Not sure. Um, Leo? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Either way. <laughs> so um, he ended up, his dad died when he was three. His mom remarried. They regrettably moved to Arkansas. <laughs> uh, in 1957, he dropped out of high school and joined the Navy, uh, was stationed in Bremerton, Washington, where he met his wife, Becky. And they married in 1960. He um, left the Navy, joined the Air Force. He earned a Bronze Star. Um, He earned the Republic of Vietnam Gallantry Cross, as well as the Air Force Ribbon for Excellent Marksmanship. And after 20 years in the military, er, graduated, (laughs) retired with the rank of Master Sergeant. So. Fancy pants. He was in no small, you know, no small talent when it came to the military. Yeah. Unfortunately, that, well, okay. So on April 3rd, <laughs> 1981, they were in Cloudcroft, New Mexico. Every story I hear out of New Mexico makes me think that the whole state should probably be mortared, but <laughs> what can you do? The Department of Human Services in New Mexico looked into allegations that he fathered a child with a 17-year-old daughter. Oh. Oh. Lord. Can we start throwing tomatoes at him? Yes. Yes, you may. Cool. And, as is only proper, in order to escape arrest, he moved to Arkansas. (laughs) (laughs) Where I'm not going to say that that sort of thing is allowed, but I'm also not, not, not gonna say that either uh so he bought a 13 acre tract of land that they named mockingbird hill for whatever reason um his residence was two old mobile homes strapped together to form one large home i know a lot of people who've done that yes this is all very arkansas they had not a telephone no indoor plumbing and in fact before the incidents which would occur, he had some of his family members dig an outhouse. <laughs> the third outhouse on now, the property. what year is this? 1987. Oh, lordy. It is way too late in the game to be To be shitting an in an outhouse. Yeah. If this was 1887, I'd be like, well, whatever. But, right. But Yeah, in 1880s. I think he just enjoys going to do his business outside like a puppy dog. Yeah. Yeah. No, in 1887, the third outhouse, you're like, God damn, are you a millionaire? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> exactly. 
1987, you're in crushing, crushing poverty. So as a daughter rapist would do, he had a wide variety of low paying jobs in Russellville, Arkansas, which is a shithole. <laughs> I said what I said. Have you been there? I have. And it sucks. <laughs> Beautiful part of the state. If the people were not there, I said what I said. Woo! You can at me. So he quit a they position. Probably can if they don't have internet. I mean, Da-da. if he doesn't have, well, he wouldn't have had internet in '87. No, I don't think there was none. No. He quit a position as the accounts receivable clerk at Woodline Motor Freight after multiple reports of inappropriate sexual advances. Okay, when does this guy get his due? Just you wait. Okay. And then he went to work at the Sinclair Mini Mart before quitting on December 18th, 1987. Mm-hmm. So, what happens? What happens in December of 1987? I don't know. Well, let's talk Nothing about it. Just before Christmas of that year, 1987, Ronald made a conscious decision to kill every member of his family so this guy is like the lawson family murderer who got his 17 year old daughter pregnant and then decides to kill the whole family oh he does more than that oh Oh, lord wonderful on the morning of december 22nd he bludgeoned and shot his son gene and his wife becky and then strangled his three-year-old daughter barbara Oh, my God. After having a beer, he dumped the bodies in the outhouse that they had just dug. He waited for the return of his other kids who were on the school bus. And after they got off the school bus, he uh, killed them one at a time. His eldest daughter, Loretta, at 17, was strangled and held underwater in a rain barrel. Oh, my God. The three other children, Eddie, Marianne, and Becky, were similarly dispatched. And then he sat in the house with the bodies, some in the cesspit, some not, until the 26th of December, when the rest of the family came to the house for an after-Christmas visit. The first to die was one of his sons, Billy, and his daughter-in-law, Renata, who he shot. Then he strangled his grandson, Trey, and also God drowned almighty. him. And then another child, Sheila, the one he had a child with in New Mexico. And her hun- husband, Dennis, shot in the head. Jeez. The baby, his daughter-granddaughter, Sylvia... He strangled. Oh, no. God. And then also strangled another child. I'll give you their ages uh, at the end. He laid all of the bodies in neat rows on the lounge, except for Sheila, who he put on the uh, dining room table and covered with a tablecloth. The two grandsons were wrapped in plastic sheeting and left in abandoned cars on the property because, of course, they have abandoned cars on the property. I hate this man. Continue. And then Ronald went out for a drink. He returned to the house 
and slept for two nights with corpses in his mm. lounge. This, this is definitely a Hannah story. I yeah, told y'all. I, I thought the Lawson family murder was bad. You stopped me. I told y'all I was going gruesome. Yeah, you did. So on Monday morning, Ronald decided to finish the rest of his bullshit. He drove into Russellville and went into a law office where he shot a young woman named Kathy Kendrick. What did Kathy do? He blamed her for something. His next stop was uh, the Sinclair Oil Company, where he shot dead a fella by the name of J.D. Chafin. What did J.D. do? God only knows. I don't know. Maybe, like, farted. I don't even (laughs) know. Yeah. So, all said and done, he murdered 14 people. Jesus Christ. Oh, goodness. So he was charged uh, with the 14 counts of murder, found guilty, and sentenced to death. Now, I am not a huge fan of the death penalty, but I'm not going to cry real hard for this fella. No. Uh, And because this is the South, he was executed in 1990. Uh, Does anyone want to guess who signed his execution warrant? Bill Clinton. It was! That's my girls! (laughs) So, yes. And he um, he did have some court battles because, of course, that's part of the deal. Uh, But he was eventually uh, put to death via uh, lethal injection. Mm -hmm. Um, And let me find that date. On May 31st, on June 25th, 1990. So about two and a half years after he committed the crime. Yeah. Uh, he was. He he went on down the road. Uh, <laughs> none of his surviving relatives would claim his body. Uh, so he I was buried either. in a potter's field. So we're going to go through um, the list of his victims uh, in their ages and who what their relationships to him was so the first ones that died died on december 22nd 1987 that was ronald gene simmons jr his son who was 26 hey you two knock it off <laughs> you guys were sleeping real real kindly now you're resting who was that that was rosie that jack- was a very loud meow jack bitter oh jack i know WTF, mate. Uh, then his wife, Rebecca Simmons, 46, she was shot. Uh, his granddaughter, Barbara, who was three, mm. was strangled. His daughter, Loretta, 17, strangled. His son, Eddie, 14, strangled. Marion, who was his daughter, 11, strangled. And then his youngest daughter, also named Becky, ate and was strangled. Oh, no. So the day after Christmas, we had William Billy Simmons, uh, his son, who was 22, but uh, was shot. Renata Simmons, who was William's uh, wife, was 21, and she was shot. And their son, William Trey Simmons, because he was a third, so he was 
mm-hmm. um, Trey was one year old. Oh God! And was Baby. shot. Now the daughter that he had monkey business with, Sheila Simmons McNulty, was twenty four and she was shot. Dennis McNulty was her husband. He was thirty three. He was also shot. Uh, her daughter's sister Sylvia was seven and she was strangled. And their youngest son, Michael, uh, was one year old and was also strangled. And then on Monday, he killed Kathy Kendrick, who was 24. She was the lady at the law office. Yeah. And then the fella at the Sinclair, James David Jim Chafin, was 33. And he didn't actually know him. He just went in there and shot people. Good Lord. Um, so in 1990, he shuffled free of this mortal coil and, um, his family had him buried in an anonymous grave. So fuck that guy. Now, as far as where the, um, where his victims are buried, it, it's not super clear. Um, his son is buried in, Cleveland County, Arkansas, and Kingsland. Um, and the stone actually has all of the people on it. Um, and it has is a memory of those killed December 1987 in Pope County, Arkansas. Um, and it has all of their names. Um, so it looks like the wife, Becky, Loretta, Eddie, Marianne, and little Becky are buried in Colorado. And the others, Little Jean, Barbara, Billy, Renata, Trey, Sheila, Dennis, Michael, and Sylvia are buried elsewhere. So that makes this a cenotaph, I believe, mm-hmm. is the is the word for it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there is a nice little memorial, you know, for all of them there. Um, and he looks like a guy who would murder his entire family um, and would you know, have sex with his child. So definitely a creep. And just remember when your family is aggravating you this Christmas, um, don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Don't, don't do that. Please don't. Everyone likes to complain about their families during the holidays, but at least you're not going through that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yo, if you think, you know, I might shoot every single one of these assholes, go outside, take a walk, take a walk. Or skip or skip Christmas this year. Yeah, just skip it. Just skip it. Stay home. It's one day. It's not that big of a deal, Mm y'all. Eat Chinese and go to the movies like the Jewish people do. So yeah. Yeah, which sounds like fun. Um (laughs) right. Speaking of the Lawsons, I meant to tell y'all this and I totally forgot. Um the other day, I don't know how I kind of ended up binging 28 Days Haunted or some crap like that on Netflix. And it's where they put these paranormal investigators and psychics in these haunted places. They are yeah. they to stay there for like 28 days. They have no internet, no phone, nothing. So they are focused on the investigation the whole time. And one of the places that an investigator and psychic were at was the, it originally, the building had been a mortuary and it's where the Lawson family was put on display wow so now they and i'm not trying to knock them because trust me y'all i will believe a psychic all day long but it was kind of spooky how they automatically were like 
this 17 year old daughter is coming to me and she's telling me her, her father did something to them. And I think she was pregnant by her father. And I'm like, Whoa, you just literally figured out the entire story. Like you didn't get anything wrong. Like, right. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't until supposedly afterward or not even afterward, but like halfway through that they were told about specifically the Lawson family murder. And they were like, and, and I think, um, they maybe put a picture of the family in there and, um, she had found it and she's like, I'm, I keep picking up on this daughter and she pointed out the daughter and all of this. And it was just, it was a she, lot. She clearly listened to our podcast. first. <laughs> yeah, apparently. But yeah, it was just, um, I, I was not into the show. And then when I realized that's what the whole season was part partially going to be about, because they had two other teams at other locations i was like yeah. i have to watch the whole thing and i yeah. ended up kind of binging it but also not paying attention because you know how we do we um look at our phones while we absolutely yeah. so I, i'm pretty sure i've colored on my phone for a few hours and just had <laughs> let me tell you it drives my parents absolutely batshit when i do that and i'm Mine just like too. i have adhd i can recite I to. to you the past like five minutes of dialogue Same. i am paying attention but i'm also Same. not paying attention it's it's literally the only thing that's got me through the last two years is listening to an audiobook and coloring on my app like <laughs> i have to do both at the same time or else i cannot function Abs- no oh. i tell them that in meetings i'm like especially ones where i'm not in person and i'm just like i because they're like what are you doing i was like if i do not play on my phone I am going to watch your mouth move and I'm going to hear <laughs> sounds come out of your mouth that are yeah. in a language that I am fluent in, but it is not, my brain is just going to hear blah, 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 yeah. and it's just, so you need to let me do this. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, good job, Hannah. That was, that was dark. <laughs> You're welcome. On brand. <laughs> On brand. Um, so yeah, like I said, I hope you are enjoying whatever it is you celebrate, or if you don't celebrate anything, I hope you're enjoying not celebrating anything. At least Dang you're it. getting a day off of work. Heck yes. yeah. Or you should be. because. Or you should. If you're not, Christmas burn the building down. Or are, are Saturday and Sunday, and that's a little weird. We're getting um, the Monday off. We're getting that whole last week off. I'm going to go cemetery hopping. I wow. Think. I'm not sure. Sorry. Wow. Oh, well, yeah, we get that week off too. Yay. You know what? You both can shut up. <laughs> well, I do need to take some some happies over to Luhu's house, so maybe that's what I'll do that week. Well, mm-hmm. I won't be here that week. So. Never mind. <laughs> well, I'll do it next week. Yeah. Maybe. Or something. Anyway, yeah, y'all we'll figure that out. Later. Get here Saturday, so Okay. Where can they? Well, don't mail it while I'm in Virginia. No, uh, too bad. It's gonna uh, you happen. can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cemetery Row Pod, or you can send us an email to Cemetery Row Pod at gmail.com. Woohoo! And, and don't really do. Look and don't those. stalk us since we've just been giving out where we're going to be for the next yeah. couple of weeks. I didn't weeks. say where I was going to be. Yeah, I, I didn't, didn't say, say where I, I was going to be cemetery hopping. <laughs> you, you're the one who dropped <laughs> drop names, Anna. <laughs> look virginia is a big state it is so. a big state um yeah and i i mean i don't know i don't i'm i might invite maybe one or two people along with the cemetery happen but trust me i prefer to do a lot by myself which just that just adds to my yeah. um 
dangerous. Look, I have a birdie. Come at me. Um, <laughs> it will it will be very loud when it goes off. Okay, it's it's not something you want to hear. So don't attack me. Um, <laughs> anyways, our next episode, if we have counted right, and there's a chance we haven't, we don't like math, would be our fiftieth episode. It is coming up in January at some point. I don't know. 2023 feels like it's tomorrow and also two years away. So um, I'm telling you sometime in the future. Um, and we are going to include stories that somehow involve gold. Will Ooh. they involve actual gold? Will they involve gold as a theory? Will it they involve a, a name? Gold? Golden Will it girls? be about the golden girls? Yes, that's... <laughs> What I'm waiting, yeah, I'm like, I've got to find a way to work in the Golden Girls somehow. Of course. Um, well, I mean, you do every time because you picture it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's true. Golden that's Girls true. are never far from your mind. No, I literally sleep to them all night long. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, gold is going to be our next topic. Um, if you love us, please do us a favor and tell your friends about us. Um, piss on your story on instagram or something or facebook or whatever the kids are doing these days absolutely tell, tell your friends about us on the tiktok um <laughs> hell yeah do that little beyonce cuff it dance and say hey i listen to uh <laughs> to absolutely cemetery row i don't know and then um also rate and review and subscribe and all that good stuff please yes, please yes that'd be the best christmas gift you could give us absolutely and the card attached would say thank you for being a friend <laughs> okay y'all want to know fun fact it's not that fun it's really stupid the my favorite song that i sing to mcduff is the golden girls theme song but i change all the nouns to mcduff <laughs> so the mcduff attached would say thank you for being mcduff i love it <laughs> I i'm gonna try that now. with my nerds i i see he bless his heart he he listens to me i don't know why um Anyway, I guess that's it. So, yeah, happy holidays. Bye. Bye. Bye.